Hello and welcome to another episode of Hope, a podcast dedicated to inspire listeners everywhere with weekly stories and personal testimonies from our wide range of guests. I'm your host, Danny Daniel, and thank you for listening. Today, we're going to hear from the UGA women's basketball coach, Coach Joni Taylor. She's great, and she's got a lot to tell. Her story is inspiring, and we're thankful to have her on our show. All right, it's an honor and privilege to have Joni, Coach Joni Taylor on this morning on our podcast. Uh, we are very fortunate to get into her schedule so that it matches our schedule a little bit. And uh, if there ever was a situation of hope, I think it's probably true with you, uh, Coach Taylor, because you you may have hoped to be a college coach one day, but it all started when you were a young uh, girl playing basketball. Uh, Absolutely. Who, who did you play for when you were young? You know, in my early years, like I play, I, I say, I jokingly say I played for my dad. Um, we we just played in the backyard. I was the only girl in the neighborhood, so I played with all the guys. Um, we he did not put me into like rec league or city league basketball until almost seventh grade. He wanted me to just learn at home, get the fundamentals. He and my mom both played, and so really it was my dad who who did a lot of the early teaching. And then I think I joined my first like weekend rec league in seventh grade, and then played junior high basketball from there. Um, and and obviously had learned pretty quickly that I, I, I had a bit of a talent for it. And then we just kind of nurtured it from there. <clears throat> well, did you have any brothers or was it just you? No, I have an older brother. We're 16 months apart. Um, so he would beat me up in the backyard. He and all his buddies would come over. I'd be the only girl playing, playing with the, with all the guys. Well, well, that was a tough road to hold, but uh, it sounds like you uh, managed it some way or another. It meant that you were going to have to be tough when you got to be a, a college coach, I guess. It definitely paid off. It definitely paid off. Um, helped me learn how guys think, which has served me well, and also just being tough. And also, you know, I can remember playing, we were playing football. So whatever they played, I wanted to play, and <clears throat> we were playing football. And um, I, I ran into a guy, like, I hit him and fell down to the ground, and you would have thought the world stopped. Everybody stopped and ran over and, oh, my God, are you okay? And they hadn't done that for any of the guys that had gotten, you know, tackled or knocked down or hit or what have you. And as much as I appreciated it also, I was like, I'm fine. Like, I don't want you treating me any differently than you treating anybody else. If I, if I choose to be out here and play, then let's play by the same rules. So it also kind of toughened me up a little bit too. And, um, gave me a, a good, a good look into also how quickly sometimes women are treated so, you know, fragile, fragile. And I did not want that. And so from that moment on, they fouled and hit and they toughened me up real good. Well, all that was because you were special and they probably noticed that at a, at a young age. <laughs> uh, then you went on to play high school basketball. Uh, who did you play for and what was that experience like? Yeah, I played for coach Donald Shirley in Meridian high school. Uh, we had a tremendous team. So in Mississippi, high school starts in 10th grade. Okay. Um, middle school is sixth and seventh grade. Junior high is eighth and ninth grade. And high school is 10, 11, 12. So I know a lot of people start high school ninth grade, but high school is 10th grade for us. So 10th grade, I, I try out for the basketball team and make it. Um, and I was really fortunate because my sophomore year, there were five seniors on our team who all got division one scholar basketball scholarships. And so when college coaches were coming to watch them, they saw me. So I got discovered pretty quickly. But I cannot tell you how much I learned from that senior class that I played with when I was a sophomore. Just, 
you know, work ethic, um, how to play as a team, how to share the ball. Um, we went 32 and two that first year, my sophomore year. And, and I don't remember the number, but I think like I lost seven games my high school career. I don't remember what that total number is. Um, so <clears throat> had a really good run at Meridian High School and also ran track there and won three state championships on the track team while I was at, while I was there. That's simply amazing. Uh, you know, it's a lot more fun to win. I've always heard that all my life. Uh, and you were a winner, which gave you some foundation when you got to the University of Georgia to want to be a winner. Absolutely. And, and that means a, a, gr- a great deal. You know, talking about winning and losing, you can't just come to the University of Georgia and expect to win all the games. Uh, mm-hmm. just, just doesn't work that way. So you have to attract fans uh, one way or the other. So we're going to have a good game. We may not win them all, but we're going to be fun to watch. And I think right. maybe that's y'all's talent. You're fun to watch, and that's how you attract. I think sometimes don't you attract more fans than even the, the men's basketball? Well, you know, we have before. I will say, you know, Tom Crean has done an excellent job, you know, the first two years. He's been here. He, I think he's sold out both years, and we have not done that. So not in the um, two years past years but before that we were you know especially once sec play started we had our entire lower bowl, bowl filled and it really gave us a great environment um i i think that when we say we're family we really mean it we love our fan base our fast break club um, which is our booster club is is an extension of of our program and they do a great job of promoting us and getting people in the stands and then you know i want there to be a connection there's little girls and little guys sitting out there watching us. I want there to be a connection. So we also have tried to do some things differently that make people want to come back. You know, the SEC network started right around the time that um, we took over the program as, as, as the staff we currently have when I got the job. And so every single game we play is on TV. And the way I started thinking was, what are we going to do different? to create a fan experience where they say, no, we have got to go to the game. We can't just watch it on TV. We can't just turn on the SEC network or turn on ESPN and watch the game. I need that little girl or that little boy or that family to say, no, we've got to go because the fan experience is so great or the giveaways or what they're doing is so special. We've got to go. And so we put our heads together. Our marketing team has been great. Administration has been great because I've asked for some out of the box type things and they've complied with all of it. Um, we're going to make have to make some adjustments this year with COVID, obviously. But, you know, we give away a <clears throat> concession stand uh, voucher for everybody who buys season tickets and they get popcorn and a drink and a hot dog for free. Um, after the game, our, our players have a section that they go into the stands and, and they have the same section all four years of their career. And they get to know the fans in that section. Sometimes the fans bring posters and signs and pictures of, of those players because they get to know them. We also have a drawing. Um, one of the things we do is we have a drawing at the end of the year for everybody who used every ticket. Um, even if you couldn't go to the game, if you gave it to somebody else and your ticket got scanned for every home game, then your name goes into a drawing. And we, we draw a winner to go to the SEC tournament for free. They stay in the same hotel with us. We pay for a per diem and food. And they get four tickets to the SEC tournament. And those are things that I don't think anybody else is doing. And it makes them say, hey, I've got to go use my ticket or I've got to go to that game because I'm going to be provided an experience or an opportunity that nobody else is offering. Well, it sounds like win, lose, or draw, the fans are going to have fun. That's the bottom line. Uh, they do, and, and we, we, we definitely hope we're winning more than we're losing. And, and in terms of the product that we put on the floor, we want 
He wants you to walk away saying, wow, they play hard, they play together, and they play a fun style of basketball. And I got a free hot dog. <laughs> I got a free hot dog and some popcorn out of it, too. <laughs> well, it's it's all about marketing. Marketing just happens to be my favorite word in the English language. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. if you can't market yourself or your team or your organization, you, you're not going anywhere uh, right. from from that standpoint. And I, I believe in, in marketing, and certainly y'all must have a good marketing team there that allows you to do these things that other teams just don't do. And that's we do. And we do. And and they come up with all the creative ideas and, you know, I tip my hat to them. They really, really know. I think the first year I asked for all these things, they were kind of like, she's got two heads, but now they've come to expect it. And so now they're bringing ideas to the table that they've seen other places and they have run with it and, and have made it their own thing. So, you know, kudos to them. Well, with a good fan base, uh, anybody has a better chance of winning, right? Uh, it is the difference maker, especially in the league as tough as ours. Home crowd is a difference maker. It is a difference maker for sure. Well, that's why you know home games are often uh, portrayed as really a better opportunity to win than, of course, those road games. And, yep. and it allows you to, to really put into it even more than you would put into it in a, in a road game you've got somebody to actually play for. Uh, what about the fans as far as their ability to catch on to Joni Taylor uh, <laughs> from the previous coach? Uh, wasn't the previous coach there for 100 years? Stop it. Stop it. He, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to let you talk about my man like that. Coach Landers um, was the first full-time head coach in the history of women's basketball at Georgia. He was there for 36 years, did a tremendous job. Uh, and Actually, I had the opportunity to work for him for four years before I took over and learned so much from him where what I have done, I've done a lot of the same things that he's done, actually. But I am, um, again, like if if we want an environment and we want fans to support us and we have to, you know, make sure that they know who they're supporting. And so we've again, not for everybody, we do one um, postseason banquet for season ticket holders. So uh, a banquet after a home game, anybody who bought a season ticket, we have a bank, we have a, a reception for, I should say it's a better word. We have a, a reception for season ticket holders where um, they can get to know our players on a more personal level. And then the true access for our team comes through the fast break club. If you are a member of the fast break club, then you just get special access to our team that other people don't get. And it's why we have such a strong membership. And it is why, you know, even for road games, we have, fans that travel and, and they're so supportive because they truly feel like they know our young ladies outside of who they are as players. Well, now the fast break, you call it the fast break club. Is that what you said? Yes. Uh, that along with the reception, I've never heard of anything like that before. Uh, you're talking about after every game at home, they have a reception of some sort. Not every game, not every game, just one, one home game. So we offer for our season ticket holders, we offer, a reception after a home game and we offer a road trip. We pay for a road trip for a season ticket holder. We pick a game that they can bus to. We provide a meal for them. And we, we, so they've been to Tennessee, they've been to Georgia tech. Um, we take a bus trip for our, for our fans every year. And then our fast break club also takes a bus trip. Well, I obviously would dare say that any other team anywhere does the marketing that you folks do. And it obviously pays off, uh, in 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 game participation and that sort of thing, uh, and people get to look forward to the season 
which is uh, odd. And a lot of times they don't look forward to the season. But uh, I knew Andy Landers uh, pretty well, and he, he is a, a great guy and a, and a great mentor, you might say. Uh, yeah. But he uh, passed the torch well uh, to somebody that's just as capable and has done a great job. How many years have you been there at Georgia? Ten. Ten years. Ten. It's gone by so fast. I came in 2011. Yes, sir. Ten years. That, Starting year ten. Four years as an assistant, and we're entering year six um, head coach. That's amazing. That's amazing. But, you know, I, I bet you really appreciated those uh, assistant years because it was a learning oh process gosh. for you. Absolutely. It's where I, where I, you know, had all my growth and, and, and learned and put on my hard hat and went to work. I was fortunate to really work for some great um, people and bosses who gave me a lot of responsibility, who stretched me. And um, from when I realized I wanted to be a head coach, you put me in a position to learn things that some assistants don't get to experience until they become a head coach. And so a lot of my moments of having uh, my learning gap and my learning curve happened as an assistant. So I didn't, you know, I still make plenty of mistakes. Don't get me wrong. I make a mistake every day in this job, but you know, I was able to, to experiment and do a lot of things as an assistant coach to prepare me for this moment. Well, that means a great deal. We all need learning processes throughout life, I guess. And, uh, when you can benefit from them, then there's been experiences that you want to do something with. I, I always say the same thing about the past. Uh, the past to me doesn't have any relevance because it only allows you to have learning experiences and enjoy the beauty of it. But uh, if you go back and say, oh, I wish I was 10 years ago, no, we've got to move forward. Uh, yes. We've got to be uh, progressive in our thoughts and in our plans. Uh, is there any other coach that has had an influence on you besides Andy Landers? Or should I even mention that? No, absolutely. You know, I can name several. Um I'll just go back to my earliest memory. Um, Myra Catchings was my um, middle school, junior high basketball coach. And she made basketball fun at an age where, you know, some of the ladies on the team were just out there because it was something to do. And maybe one or two of us had aspirations to really play or had the talent to play at a higher level. So she had a good mix of, getting after us, but also making it a lot of fun. And I think that's much needed when that's your first introduction to basketball. And then I, I graduated from her and went to Paul Shelley, who was my junior high coach and my junior high track coach. And he is the first person who really challenged me and taught me about, you know, being my best. And, and if I did something in 20 seconds, he wanted it done in 16. And, you know, if I made five free throws in a row or 10 free throws in a row as a ninth grader, he wanted 20. And and same thing when I ran track for him. If I ran the 400, you know, as a ninth grader and then in a minute, he wanted it in 59. And, and so he was the first person who gave me the discovery of like, you know, um, put your best foot forward and you probably can do better than what you think. And, you know, just if once you meet a goal, then make another goal. And that, that was something that I will forever give him, give him credit for doing because he challenged me in a way that I've never been challenged before. And it has served me well. And I think that's where I became really competitive and I learned how to compete with myself, not, not anybody else. I learned how to compete against me, compete against the clock, compete against, you know, that streak of jump shots or whatever that was. And that was something that he taught me because I was the best player, you know, on my junior high team. And so he quickly, honed in honed into that and taught me how to challenge myself and that's that's a skill that I still use to this day um 
And then <clears throat> Vicki Hood was my high school track coach. And again, we won three state championships under her leadership there. And so her ability to teach us vision and purpose and you know, she spoke in language of, well, when we win the state championship and then the next year is when we go back to back. And this was before track season ever started. And then my my third year was, well, when we three peak this year, it, it was never any doubt what we were going to do. It was never, well, if we make it this far, we'll see what happens. It was always around her when we do this. And so she spoke into existence. She made us believe there was no other option. And we did. We, we marched to that beat and we had the same belief. And anybody who wasn't on that page was quickly, you know, an outcast or was told, hey, this is not how we think over here. So we had a, it, it taught me how to have um, championship level thinking and, and practice and work effort and intensity and a commitment. And then my, my college coach, Rick Moody, um, love him to death. He was a great basketball coach, um, really, really good in time and score situations. Really, really good one-on-one with players. What he taught me more than anything is priority. He was the deacon at his church, and we play on Sundays in the SEC, still do. And he was late to every Sunday shoot-around because he had to teach a Sunday school class, and he was not going to leave his Sunday school class early to make it to shoot-around. So he was about 15 minutes late to shoot-around every single Sunday. And he showed up. He walked in right out of church and out of the car with his suit and his Bible in his hand. And it, and without saying a word, it taught all of us what his priority was. And, you know, I will never, never forget that. And it's something, again, that in the world we're living in now is so important. We can get so caught up in wins and recruiting and X's and O's. And, you know, it, I, I can always just remember making sure I know what my priorities are with God, obviously, first. And that was something that, that he taught me without ever saying a word. That's amazing. You know, isn't it odd that uh, if you bring the Bible and God into a situation that seems like it just gets better? Oh, always, always. Uh, and, and that guy had his priorities straight. He he knew he could coach that team, but he said, wait a minute, mm-hmm. I got to get fueled up before I get there. And yep. he yep. was fueled up in, in every sort, every way. Uh, I, I guess your your situation is the same as all of us. Uh, is the, It's the power of positive thinking. If you can go out and say, we know we can win, even though this team is so much bigger and better than we are, but we've got the power of positive thinking and you, good things happen quite often. Uh, yeah. Your mind tells your body what to do. Right. And so, um, it feeds your, feed your mind the right thing. And so I tell our ladies, train your mind because your mind tells your body what to do. And if your mind is saying the right things and your body's going to follow, but if you haven't trained your mind accordingly, Whatever your mind thinks, the body's going to follow as well. The mind is so, 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 so powerful. So the earlier you train it and teach it the right things, the better off you're going to be. It's not to say that things aren't going to get hard and difficult, but when they do, your mind can respond in the right way because you've trained it with all those positive um, quotes or Bible verses or or self-talk or motivating words or or whatever that is. Yeah, well, it seems just such a coincidence that you are a— maybe not a Bible toting person because you don't carry the Bible to every practice like your uh, former coach did, but you uh, certainly know it and you utilize it and uh, you instill it in your players. And I guess if you can tell your players that your best is good enough, talk about a little bit uh, with recruiting. Uh, That's a very difficult thing because you 
sometimes bring somebody in there that you think is going to be a real winner and it doesn't work out quite so well. But then when you do bring a winner in there and they do produce, you've made the right decision. Yeah, there's just so many intangibles and so many unknowns when you're recruiting anyone. And so what we try to do, obviously, they have to pass the eye test first. It's really easy to tell if they can play at this level. And once they've done that, then it becomes we really spend a lot of time figuring out who they are as people. You know, we want to take a look at their grades. We want to, you know, make sure they haven't jumped around to a lot of different high school programs or AAU travel ball programs because that says there's a red flag there unless their family has had to move for, you know, um, reasons beyond their control. Um, so we just look at a lot of different things. Who are they as people? You know, what are what do they post on social media? We do all that because they could get here and have an injury that keeps them from playing to the best of their ability or playing at all. Or they get here and they're, like you said, they just didn't pan out or they turn out great either way. What we want to be able to hang our hat on is taking basketball out of the equation. They're the right kind of people for our program. They're the right fit. You know, what we ask them to do on a daily basis in terms of, you know, academically on the basketball court and in the community, it is hard and it doesn't leave a lot of room for social um, they, they do have a bit of a social life, not as much in season, obviously, but when it, it's, it's hard what we're asking them to do. And then you add the pressure of winning in the SEC at the University of Georgia with such a, a, a storied history and tradition on top of it. That's a lot for 18 and 22 year olds to, to handle. And so when we scrape away who you are with the ball in your hands, I want to make sure that you're the right kind of person that represents our program in the right way so that even if you have an injury and can never play or you turned out to um, be better than we thought or not as good as we thought. You're the right kind of person, and, and it's going to work out. That's a good way of looking at it. If they're the right kind of person, then whether win, lose, or draw, they're going to contribute to the team. Correct. Uh, <clears throat> either way. They're going to be the right type of teammate. They're going to be the right type of supporter. They're going to be the right type of starter. They're going to they're contribute to the team in a positive way. Well, tell me this. What uh, what do you do about uh, losses and try to make up losses uh, for the next game? So we always watch a lot of film. Um, we show it to them. You know, we, we track different things. We stat certain things that are really important to us. And normally when we have losses, those things that are important to us, we don't hit the number that we're looking to hit in terms of turnovers or rebound or shooting percentage, you know, different things that we track that are important to us. And so we go back to, well, what happened and we, we show it, we talk about it. And then, you know, we play 30 games. And so we have to move on and get ready for the next one. So we definitely don't brush it aside. We spend a good amount of time talking about it the next day in film, but you play, you play two days later. So you've got to quickly absorb that, digest it. And then put your hard hat on and get back to work because the quickest way to turn one loss into two is going to practice and with your with your tail between your legs and show up that way for Sunday's game after a loss on Thursday. Are you going to lose again? Because there are no no prisoner. Nobody they take no prisoners in the league we play in. I'm telling you. And on any given night, if you don't show up and put your best foot forward, you're, you're going to get beat because this league is so tough. And so um, we tell them all the time. You know, there there's a reason why. Um, the 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 mirror the the glass the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror, right? Look forward, look ahead. What's next? Don't spend all your time looking in the rearview mirror. Yeah, I never saw a car that was uh, reversed there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, let me go backwards just for half a second and tell me 
what's a typical week for one of your players? I mean, wh- what they go to class three hours, they practice four hours, you know, they don't get any sleep. Oh, <laughs> right. Uh, it's a little different because a lot of classes are online right now with COVID, but before COVID, typically they wake up between seven and eight, go to class or have a mentoring or tutor session. Class and tutoring normally goes from about nine up until 1245, 120. They have something to eat. We practice from about 2.30 to 4.30. They uh, go to rehab. They shower. They go to dinner. And then they go back to, to study hall. They normally close it up around 9.30 or 10 o'clock, hopefully. You know, some of them stay up later than I would like. And then they do it all again. We play on Thursdays and Sundays once we get into league play. So if we are at home, we're obviously at home for those games. If we're on the road, we're going to practice on Wednesday. And then we're going to travel. We're going to jump on a plane, go go play the game on Thursday, come back home Thursday night, practice Friday, practice Saturday, play again on Sunday. If we are on the road, then we travel Wednesday, come back, play the game Thursday, come back home Thursday night, practice Friday, practice Saturday, travel Saturday, play the game Sunday, come back home Sunday. So it's quick turnarounds. It doesn't leave, again, a lot of time um, to be idle. So they have a very strict schedule, which also makes them – really good when they get into the working world because they're so used to multitasking and they're used to um, completion, task, completion, task, completion. They're used to hard things by the time they, they leave us and, matri- and matriculate into society. Boy, I'd have to have a lot of ribbons tied around my fingers to get all that done. That, that's, <laughs> that's simply amazing. Uh, we're coming close to the end of the interview and uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, what about this season? Can you mention this upcoming season? I can tell you what I know, which is not a lot. Um, we started practice last week. October the 14th was the first day we could practice. We actually started on the 15th. We've got four seniors in grad school, um, which is amazing. Three of our seniors graduated in three years, and one graduated in four and had a fifth year. So we've got four starters who are in grad school right now, um, which a lot Wednesdays are crazy for us. So we started practice last Thursday. Our season tips off November 25th. I have no idea who we're playing. I think I know who we're going to play, but we haven't signed the contract yet and got it confirmed. Um, Because we're still trying to figure out protocols with the SEC. So the NCAA has announced what their COVID protocols are. And now our conference is still trying to put a ribbon on what additional protocols we would have outside of what the NCAA is mandating because their first – mission critical assignment is to make sure the health and safety of our players and staff and people in our program is number one. And I can appreciate that. So it has slowed things down. We don't have our schedule yet. Um, I don't know how many fans will be in the stands at all. They haven't, we haven't sold a season, uh, a single ticket yet. So what I can tell you is that we will have a season. That season is going to tip November 25th. And then hopefully we're going to play some non-conference games before we get into conference play at the end of December, moving into January. And honestly, that's in terms of throwing out names and teams and things of that nature, I'd be really premature to say what I think is going to happen because it's already changed five times in two weeks. So um, we're looking forward to it. And, you know, I told our young ladies, we are literally in the time of COVID and in the social injustice and the human crisis we're facing and the health crisis we're facing. We are building the bridge as we cross it. And so we've all got to just put our head down and build a bridge and be on the same page and be fluid, be flexible and lead with grace and humility. Cause these are trying times for everybody right now. And we're trying to do the best we can. And what I can promise them is that when we make decisions, their health and safety is going to be number one on the list. 
and we're going to move in that order. Well, I can tell you without any question, my protocol is with Coach Joni Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're so proud to have you here in Athens, and you're doing a fantastic job, and we just wish you more than the best. Thank you for being with us today. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Again, thank you to Coach Taylor, and thank you to all of our listeners. Remember to go to our website, thedannydanielshow.com, to submit your story. And if you have a good one, let us know about it. Come back next week and weeks after that to listen to all of our episodes. I'm your host, Danny Daniel. This episode recorded at Vega Studios, produced by Mariah Rose. Also remember to follow us on social media. We will be posting our episodes on our Facebook page along with the website. Stay in touch with us and spread the word. It's all about hope. But before we go, I wanted to remind the listeners that I'm a huge supporter of the UGA Miracle, which is the largest student-run organization at the University of Georgia that raises money for children's health care of Atlanta. They raise over a million dollars a year, and you can be a part of that. Just go to ugamiracle.org, and you can donate. Remember... Any amount given is a step closer to saving a child's life.